Hi, everybody. Welcome to Evidence Podcast, the podcast where real people share real stories to show real evidence of a very real God. This is the first episode with our typical layout, and we are so glad that you have joined us. I'm your host from Knoxville, Tennessee, Daniel Brooks. Join with me are my co-hosts, one from Danville, Illinois. He's a youth pastor, a coffee roaster, and my good friend from Toccoa Falls College, Mr. Jordan Lang. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And our other co-host and insurance adjuster from New Haven, Connecticut. We have traveled the world doing missions together for God's kingdom. And people say that the superhero Thor looks just like him. His name is Mr. JT Shavers. Hola. (laughs) Thor looks like you. You don't look like Thor. So I was the original for sure. You are the originator (laughs) of that look. Just wanted to make sure that was abundantly clear. Yep. Well, hey guys, this is our first episode. How do y'all feel about it? Nervous, man. <laughs> it's like we've been talking about doing this forever. It's like we're finally actually sitting down and recording. I'm pumped, man. Like this is like opening day, which in baseball terms means a extremely long season. But man, I'm excited about about all the fun, about all the positivity and and all the good conversations that we're going to have. I'm I'm ready to go. Me too. I'm so pumped that we've got this started and that each of you guys have come along with me. So let's dive right into it. We've already made one episode last week. We released our intro uh, episode. And so that gave a glimpse of who we are. It gave a glimpse into what this podcast is all about. And uh, if you haven't given that a listen, go ahead and click back and listen to that as well. We'd love for you to do that. This week is our first week of actually having an order to the podcast. This is our flow first chart. week of, of having a, mm. a flow. Yeah. And so the we'll man just... with the flow speaking <laughs> about the flow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. So that's what we're going to be going on with this. So our first segment in each podcast is going to be positive news. we go along we may end up having some more fun names for this but we're going to stick with the basic names of positive news and so each of us are going to have a piece of current news and i will go ahead and give the disclaimer that we are recording this quite a few weeks in advance so this news will not be current once this episode releases so if you're listening to this now and you're like man that happened like a month or two ago that it did did. you're correct (laughs) So, so we are a little behind on the times of that um, but as we go on a little bit farther, we'll start to be having more current news. But yeah, so it's current to us right now. And we just wanted to give a little piece of encouragement, a little piece of joy, maybe something funny. Um, but in a world that is all encompassed by negative news, we wanted to show a spotlight on something that is happy and it may make you smile. So uh, JT, go ahead and give us a little piece of positive news. Okay. So my positive news wasn't exactly funny, but as I was kind of like researching different positive stuff, I came across this one and I personally really liked it. So the country of Spain, specifically the city of Madrid, uh, just passed a a bill or a a project that they're going to be doing that they're basically building a, a tree wall outside of their city. So it's a 75 kilometer long uh, wall that they're building. It should be about 15 kilometers wide. It's over a half a million trees that they're about to be planting uh, in this area, basically out, outside of the city uh, with the purpose of, you know, how much like CO2 that would basically end up absorbing. Uh, the general idea is that it would make their city a lot cooler um, because of all the emissions in the city. 
Uh, so anyways, just a, kind of a cool thing that, you know, a city's done to basically, you know, try to help the environment, try to, you know, boost up their city as well. But it's not like a park, like a state park, you know, for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will just be like a reserved kind of habitat that they're setting out. Cool. Yeah, way to go, out. Madrid. That's cool. That is cool. George, what you got, man? Yeah. So uh, we're all pretty familiar, especially as followers of Jesus, that ISIS has been in particular, really targeting Christians in Afghanistan um, and have been for quite a while. And I know we typically as Christians, we love to talk about our thoughts and prayers with those people that are being affected and we don't really do much about it. Um, but there is a group called YWAM, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with. YWAM, oh, yeah. I actually have a buddy in South Africa that is in he's doing a YWAM right now. Yeah, he went to Hawaii for a little while and now he's in South Africa. Yeah, I have a cousin in England who is working with YWAM. They just made an update and they have been able to rescue 509 individuals and 102 families across the border and uh, have been able to like quarantine them, find safety. And just within, I think it was about a month of them fundraising, they raised like over a million dollars to provide for, for these refugees, for like food, for relocating, uh, for clothing, shelter, all these things. And like they're still sending like food. They have enough food now for about five months for the refugees. And, and I just think it's really cool that when crisis happens, that the church is equipped and called to like be the ones mm-hmm. to answer the call to help those that are in need. Cause I know like a lot of these positive stories, we love the, the lighthearted and the sometimes funny positive stories, mm-hmm. but like it's just really cool, especially as followers of Jesus, that like we can come together for people's common good. So I thought Absolutely. that was a really cool I story. I love seeing the church be the church, you know, yeah. being what yeah. what God has called the church to be. And I know through some of our travels, JT and I've done. Where was that one at, Jordan? That was in Afghanistan, uh, where the YWAM base was, or like like where where were they? Where were the refugees from and going? They're from Afghanistan, and they were. They're going to, I think, a couple different places, but okay, yeah. yeah, we got to work with the Syrian refugees right on the border of Syria and Lebanon. I mean, you talk about eye-opening, like we're literally in the camps just sipping on tea and some of the thickest uh, coffee that you would ever see, uh, the, Turk- <laughs> the Turkish coffee. Yeah. But I mean, that, just hearing their stories and just hearing what people go through and, you know, a lot of them were like, oh, I had four or five cars that were luxurious sitting in my you know driveway and then one day all these black flags rise up and isis is taken over and now they're sleeping in tents that are leaking on them when it rains right and yeah. i mean eye opening is <laughs> really the only way you can say it i mean you're just for loss of words when you're sitting there hearing it and just picturing that these people from a material standpoint were doing better than than we are and now like they're living as if someone is homeless on the side of the road and mm-hmm. i mean it's right. Yeah, I mean, unexplainable. And I love seeing when people, especially the church, steps up and is able to just, you know, be the hands and feet of God and show that love of Christ and not always having to say the name of Jesus, specifically saying that, you know, we just love you and showing that love. And and eventually we we hope and pray that that opens up doors, but just giving help to the needy when they're, when they're needy 
And, yeah. you know, that's what the Bible talks about doing is taking care of those that are in those predicaments. Mm-hmm. And so, right. yeah, that's a cool When story. it doesn't give any kind of like prequel to them joining the church before you do so. You know, that's yeah. what, as it, so that's kind of, that. I'm, that's great that YWAM's kind of stepping in and doing something like that, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of people. Yeah. And that and is, that is what the church should be doing. Yeah. And yeah, it's cool sure. that actually the church in Afghanistan has been growing. Like I saw mm-hmm. within the first week of everything happening, one church network grew from 300 to 1300 members Wow! within wow. a week. That's what and it's you all would, about. Like, cause we, we in America, we think that when church numbers go up, it's because we have sweet programs or like that cool hipster pastor that can like bring a word, which we'll see if any of us hipster white guys can bring a word. <laughs> but like, it's cool that in the midst of persecution that the church can continue to grow. And that's actually historically how the church has grown. Mm-hmm. It's grown yeah. when our backs have been against a wall, when the country that that these people are in aren't Christian nations. It's just really interesting. And I could go on forever about that, but let's oh, yeah. get to other stuff. And we'll get to, I mean, this is this is our hearts, I think. And this is why I think yeah. God has, has placed both of you guys as my co-host on here um, when he planted this little bug in my ear about starting this podcast. And I mean, Jordan, we hadn't talked in six years, probably. <laughs> Not, It'd have been a while. We, we had messaged, but we hadn't like, I haven't heard your voice. And so <laughs> yeah. for him to have kind of laid your your name on my heart was really cool. And then the fact that we're all here, I mean, our hearts, I think are in line and our hearts are, are right there and, and the church being the church, you know, yeah. a biblical church. And so my positive news is that a girl reported missing from Nashville, North Carolina, and in distress in the passenger seat of a car traveling through Kentucky appeared to be waving through the window uh, to passing cars on Thursday. But one person in a nearby car recognized the signal from the app TikTok, and uh, it was not an ordinary wave and i have looked it up and i can't show you because this is a podcast but i can show our co-host it is literally waving and then gripping your thumb and so she waves and then grips her thumb the girl was 16 years old she is using this new distress signal that has now gone viral on tiktok um, like i said tucking her thumb into her palm before closing her fingers over it and according to the Laurel County Sheriff's Office, the signal created by a Canadian Women's Foundation for people to indicate that they are at risk of abuse and need help. Um, and it has spread largely through TikTok and uh, throughout this past year. And so the person that spotted the signal called 911 and conveyed a suspicion that the girl was in trouble because she was using the hand gesture. The sheriff's deputies pulled the car over to investigate and learned that the girl's parents had reported her missing two days earlier. And it doesn't, I'm I'm reading this from a post that I saw about it, but they found her, she went missing from Asheville, North Carolina, and they found her in Kentucky. Hmm. And so I thought that that was crazy and also positive. And thankfully something good's coming out of TikTok. Right. Um, I think a lot (laughs) of things are, but you know, there's also a lot of negative coming out of TikTok. And I thought that that was really cool that something viral and so little as that, that she had learned on TikTok, she's waving at cars, gripping her thumb and someone caught on and she gets found what two or three states over keep watching yeah. tiktok everybody <laughs> that's a word from our sponsors <laughs> great tiktok sponsored oh. by tiktok not a sponsor <laughs> all right so our next segment is going to be hot takes <laughs> hot takes so this is just going to be a debatable question that a lot of christians and even non-christians may have about 
uh, spirituality, about religion, about Christianity, specifically about God himself. And so uh, this week, uh, being that it is our first episode of Evidence, I think that it is only right to ask the age-old question of, if God is real, why can't I see him? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I think if we're all honest, we probably have all, whether we've chosen to believe in Jesus or not, we all have wrestled with that question. Like, because there are stories in scripture where God shows up in really real ways, like with Moses in the burning bush, like God shows up, like for the disciples in the new Testament and other people, they literally saw, they felt Jesus. Like he resurrected, they touched his wounds. They touched his side. God's made evidence through more than just physical, like bones and flesh. Like God did come in the form of Jesus. But one story that I thought of when, when the question was asked was the story of Elijah. So to give a background story, Elijah's a prophet. He challenged the prophets of Baal to say, who's God's real fire comes down. Elijah has a fun time. First Kings chapter 18, for those of you that want more background story, but then immediately afterwards, um, someone's coming after Elijah's head and he freaks out, runs away, wants to die. God tells him to take a nap, which by the way, advertisement, if you're tired, take a nap. If you're sad, take a nap, eat a snack. It's, it's in the Bible, in the Bible. <laughs> but anyway, so then God calls Elijah out of the place where he's at. And he said to go and stand at the mountain and all of these big things come in front of the mountain. Like there's fire, earthquake, like these huge things that you would think God would show up, but yet it's actually in the still small whisper. My translation said, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there is a voice, a soft whisper. And that God shows up oftentimes in the small and even sometimes ordinary things like in a whisper. And sometimes there's like a deep gut feeling that we have, like a feeling of peace, um, which for me personally, like just to share a little bit, when I was driving this morning from the camp that we're going to have our junior high retreat this weekend back to my house there was a deer that decided to jump out in front of my car and my car's in the shop and that's no fun but oh dear oh dear dear. like in the midst of all of that like i felt this overwhelming sense of peace and i felt the lord's presence in a way that like like i didn't like pray jesus take the wheel like carry underwood like i just felt she slid felt on, like, on ice anyway. So it's a little different. Yeah. De- a lot different. <laughs> and her <laughs> scenario, she was in Cincinnati and I was not, but anyways, like, yeah, just all of that to say, like, I feel the Lord's presence, not necessarily in a physical way, but like, I, I feel his presence in the form of peace in the form of love. And, and sometimes he speaks like, to Elijah in a still small whisper and not in the huge grand things. For me, um, if God is real and why can't I see him? I thought about that question because that's a question that I feel like to be a believer, you almost have to ask that question, especially down here in the Bible Belt. It's 
ingrained in you. So the day that you come out of the womb, most of us are born into, I'll put in quotes, Christian families, because a lot of us will say that we're Christian and just go to church. And that's about it three times a year and check off a list. And it becomes more of a status thing than it does an actual relationship with God. And so I had to question my own faith and beliefs because I wanted to believe it to be true because I felt that it was true, not because that's what I was told to believe. And so when I think about is God real and you know why can't I see him, I'm thinking some things you don't have to see. The the old illustration of I don't see air, but I can feel it. You know, um, I've never seen a million dollars, but I know it's real, <laughs> you know, but I mean, even from that, there's aspects of that that you see, you can see the leaves, you can see the trees, uh, you know, the leaves on the trees moving whenever the wind blows, you don't see the wind that's blowing it, but you see that something is moving them. You see that there are millionaires that are buying tons of things and hopefully giving tons of things because they have that. And you see that it's an evidence of it being real. This is why we've called this podcast evidence because although we can't see our God, there is evidence all around. And so the scripture verse that we've chosen, and we talked about it last week a little bit um, on our intro episode, is Romans 1.20. It says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. And so that to me kind of gives a, an answer to this question of why can't, you know, if I can't see God, then how is God real? And it's that there's evidence of him all around you just by looking. That's why so many people, when they start to try to prove God, will turn to Genesis 1-1, the very beginning of Bible creation. And so they're going to turn there because we've all seen the earth, the dirt that we're walking on, and we've all seen the sky. If you're not on dirt, you're in the sky, you know? <laughs> and so we, we've all seen all of those things. And for me, it reminds me of I had a, an art teacher in high school. I got a C in art and it was strictly because I taught too much and she didn't like me. And so, um, yeah, that's why. Yeah. She's definitely not listening to yeah, this what's podcast. your teacher's name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, I will say it. It's like Barnum or something. If she's listening to this, then by God, there's been a change in her life. So amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Shout uh, out to Mrs. Bar- Barnum. Bar- Barnum. Barnum. I believe is correct. You think I would know because I, I had so much time in her classroom because I consistently had uh, lunch detention in her classroom. Yeah, sounds like um, you're kind of holding a grudge against her. I'm not going to lie. Well, yeah. no, but I'm, I, go, I do man. hold a grudge about the C because my art was it belonged It belonged in a museum. Is and that what your mom told you? That's what I, she didn't have to. I know what I know. All right. I've been to some art museums. Know your and I, know, I know that I have, I've done things better. All right. There's like <laughs> Banksy, an art museum but then there's Daniel ago. Brooks. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. just went to an art museum a few weeks ago in Savannah, Georgia, and all you SCAD students out there love you to death, but there's some weird art things out there. And some of the stuff that's in an art museum takes no talent at all. So I've, I don't know. I, I have, I have a thing about that where I'm like, I could have done that. Why is my stuff not in art museum? So it's back all to the because story. of that C back yeah. in high school or all back in grade C. school or whatever. So, yes. But back to that story, what started our whole, I would say beef is uh, she asked the question of what is art and me being, you know, the, the Christian man that I am, <laughs> I mm. looked at her and said, soft flex. I said, everything. Well, that, that went off. She's like, everything is not art. And I'm 
like, yes, yes, everything is art. And she's like, no, art needs a creator. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, you know, we have a creator. Like, and she's like, no, you can't tell me that that tree is art. And I'm like, every tree is different. Every tree has different, you know, rings on the inside. There's all this detail into a tree. She's like, well, a tree can't be created. And I'm like, well, it was created from something or someone. So you tell me. And, you know, it makes me think of that because, you know, it says even in the Bible here, there's no excuse for not knowing who God is because there's evidence of him all around. But there's so many times we turn such a blind eye to the evidence that he gives us. And so there's so many times that we may be going through a situation or going through something or um, so like an example of that would be if I get a promotion in my job, it's very easily for me, easy for me to say, oh, I deserve that because that was the hard work that I put forth. And while that also is so, it's very easy to put all of that success on ourselves, but not give God any credit for the successes that he gives us. And all along, God has provided you with the skills, the talents, the abilities. You've had to harness those and harbor those and build upon those. But God has given those to you to where you can use that to benefit his kingdom and glorify him. I just feel like there's so many times that we look around, we miss the things that God is showing when his evidence is as simple as a flower on the ground or as complex as the talents or gifts that you're given. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely, you know, agree with, with both of those things that you guys are, are kind of talking towards. And, you know, I, I think uh, one of the biggest issues that we make, um, especially from the secular space, like just by the general question of like, well, if I, if I can't see God, then how do I know it's real? You kind of set up this argument that like, there's a prerequisite to being God that he has to be able to be seen, you know? And it's kind of this idea that, you know, if it is a supernatural deity, you know, if it's a, it's a thing out there that's controlling or creating, like, why would you ever think that you physically get to see that thing in the first place? You know, it's like most religions in the world, you would never actually consider seeing, you know, God or seeing the, mm -hmm. you know, the deity of that religion. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, as the initial question even gets set up, there's a little bit of a, you know, logical fallacy there in the, in the initial setup of the question. Um, because the whole idea is, is, you know, a faith in something that's more than yourself, you know, a faith mm -hmm. in more than what you can see, even the concept of an afterlife, which most religions have, if not all religions have, um, you know, that you're taking that on a lot of faith right there, that there's something mm -hmm. else that nobody, you know, has verifiably gone to the afterlife and then come back to tell us all about it. I mean, there's stories, obviously, but whether mm -hmm. those are all credible or not is an entirely different debate. Um, and you can almost poke holes in all of them. But, you know, you have to take that on faith. And I think a lot of um, looking for God or looking for evidence of God, unfortunately, does come down to faith. You know, I think a lot of people, they want like a scientific, concrete truth, you know, and they want something that's just like yeah, undeniable. And, you know, sometimes you don't you don't get that option. Sometimes you have to, you know, know it in your spirit and and take that on faith that what is what you believe is God is actually God. And it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's almost a, um, becomes a confirmation bias after a while, because if you're looking to expect God, then you'll see God everywhere, you know, and that's where you kind of get a lot of people that's like, well, you know, I see God in art. I see God in music. I see God in, you know, all of these other things. And like, that's because you're actively looking for God. Right. And then on the flip side, 
if you're not looking for God, if you, if you've convinced yourself like, Hey, God's not real, you know, it's just, it's all a hoax. It's just religious, you know, just a way for the hierarchy to control the petty lives of other human beings. Like, of course you're going to see that because you're already looking for it, you know, and that's already where your mind is headed is, is towards the deniability of God personally, when you kind of look at the big picture, because I, I mean, I, I've definitely, you know, had issues in myself of, of, you know, questioning whether God exists or, or to what extent, you know, he's active in your lives is kind of another factor to look at it. But when you, when you think in that direction, when you're thinking about like, okay, where am I seeing God? How is he being active in, in my life? You're going to end up seeing him and how he, how he guides your life, how he guides, you know, your thoughts and your actions, especially if you're actually willing to allow him to do that. Um, right. We talk about that, you know, believing in God is, is really faith and it's a faith in things that are unseen. A lot of people are like, well, I can't see God, so I don't believe in him. Well, then if you believe that there is no God, you have no more proof of that than there being a God. Right. You know, there's times that I feel that, you know, it's it's tougher to disprove God than it is to prove God. You know, there's a lot of times that, you know, chalking it up to God makes it easier. And sometimes people think that that's lazier. But if we do look at scripture, I, I just want to end it kind of on one more thing that I was just kind of thought about with scripture um, as far as seeing God. And I know a lot of people, hopefully we have listeners that may not even believe the Bible. Um, that'd be awesome. But I know that that if you do believe the Bible, that scripture is true. And so um, that'll be another question, I'm sure, one day about the <laughs> validity and truth of scripture. And so yeah. we're not going to get into that whole conversation. But uh, with scripture being true and that being what we believe, then, you know, in the beginning, again, back when God created the heavens and the earth, Back before the fall of man, it talks about that God was literally walking mm -hmm. in the garden beside Adam. And so it's not that God has never been seen, you know, and God again shows up in other ways that we see throughout the Bible, but it's not that he has never been seen. And we look at the scripture and we look at the Bible, and I guess this is going to be a little bit about how the Bible is true. We have so many recollections and so many people that have reported of instances where in the Bible, such as the Church of Pentecost and the Day of Pentecost and all that, so many instances of people reporting that, that it's almost, you know, to me, it's more believable than, than not believing it because there's just been so many eyes and ears that have reported it as their own experiences. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah sure. And, and oftentimes like when, when we do read scripture and we do read story after story of like these big God moments, we often forget the time gap between them because we are in a microwave society and we think that we have to have these big, huge revelations of God, like day by day. And we need these huge things to affirm our faith. But yet, like you look and you could think of any story, like God might speak to you in a supernatural way, like once in a lifetime, mm -hmm. or like there might be one big event. And, and that was the nation of Israel's downfalls. They kept forgetting God's faithfulness and kept forgetting that God did show up to them in a way that was undeniable for them. Yeah. Like, like the red sea parting, you would think, imagine the red sea parting with TikTok. <laughs> that would have been insane. Yeah. But Hebrews 11 uh, verse six says now without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Mm -hmm. Like there is a direct correlation between faith 
and being able to see God, mm-hmm. being able to feel God, have a relationship with God. And yeah, like we might not have the big, like huge experience every single time, but we could just rest in stories of other people, which is why we share good news, which is why like we can even through a TikTok phase or whatever, where they do the little hand signal, like we could be able to see like God's rescue and redemption through that. We can hear about trees being planted and how God cares for his creation. And like God shows up in that way. Like if we just have eyes to see and ears to hear, then I think we could be able to see and hear God in a lot more simple ways and a lot more beautiful ways than what sometimes we expect God to do. Uh, I would say that our biggest point is if you're seeking God and continue to seek God, then you'll begin to see God and that will make him even more real to you than he is today. So um, can you say that again, Daniel? That was good. That our biggest takeaway and biggest point from this is that if you continue to seek God, then you will begin to see God and he will not be as invisible as you may think. That's a little different you than how I better first, preach the but, truth and shame the devil, young man. But, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, there it is. That's what we're here for. We've got here, it recorded. We'll write, we'll write down the first evidence. one. <laughs> this is how we are. And here is our next segment. Our uh, Each week, we're going to be having a guest on. And for the first three weeks, you have three hosts here. And we decided that it would just be shameful if you did not hear our stories and get to know us through this. So our first three weeks are going to be me and then Jordan and then JT on the third week. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so honored to be with you guys. Um, That's what I hope all of our guests say from here on out. So a little bit about my backstory because I feel like it is needed. Um, Growing up, due to my love of going to church and love of uh, speaking about God, and uh, I decided to go into youth ministry. That's what I felt that mm. was my calling was to go in and be a youth pastor. And after graduating high school, I chose a small Christian college in Northeast Georgia. Yeah, you that did. It was called Tacoa Falls College, which is still where it is called Tacoa Falls College. Dang it. That's right. It is. It's still accredited. To say that I liked my experience is not true. Um, I loved my relationships that I built there. And Jordan's going to feel probably different than I do. Um, I loved my relationships that I built there and I wouldn't trade that for the world, which is, makes me so glad that I went there. And I have a diploma on my wall to prove that I went there. That apparently means a lot to a lot of people. So I'm cool with that. Um, And the only other thing that I feel like I really got out of college is that it began to make me question why I believe what I believe. And for me, that was huge because I just believed it because that's what I was told to believe. And so when I began to have to write all these billions of papers that I hate. I'm a very good writer, but I hate writing. And so I remember having to write these papers and there were times that I had to stay convicted in my own beliefs and go against what a, what a teacher I knew, you know, thought. And sometimes I'd end up with a lower grade because it, to me, it felt like a lower grade because it wasn't in line with what he believed. And then there's other times that I felt like I had to change up my own thoughts and beliefs because all along I thought that it was scripture based and turns out it wasn't. And so I had to change up a lot of that. Um, Throughout my time in college, I changed majors from uh, youth ministry to ministry leadership. And why that is important is to be 
in my future. And so that is because I, out of college, I entered into uh, youth ministry and I was a youth pastor for almost three years. And throughout that time, it was a church that was, it was a Baptist church. It was very local to my childhood home. And so I was literally five minutes from my parents and it was a different church than I grew up in though. And throughout that time, I, my, I started in November for four of us on staff. So I started in November. We had a secretary, we had a pastor and a worship leader. By June, the secretary had gone to a different church to become an actual, like, I think, associate pastor. After he left, I filled in that spot. So I was now the youth pastor and the secretary, which was fun. And then June, the, the worship leader was no longer in the church, uh, in our church. And then July, the senior pastor decided to retire as well. And so at that point, it was just me. And then in comes a, uh, a interim pastor and the interim pastor filled in his spot and his role as he should. And then I was beginning to struggle by the next January. So I'd been there just over a year and I had began to struggle because it felt like we were just treading water as a church. And I began to get very frustrated because it was like, I feel like I'm wasting away here in this church. And all the while the youth ministry is, is growing, but it's also, I would say kind of stagnant because not a lot of families were coming in, but friends were coming in with the youth. And I had a, had and have a very close relationship with these students Um, So I wanted what was best for them for sure. And so I remember that January, I just sat down with God and I just prayed to him think, and I was just saying, you know, look, we, something has to change. Either we get more hands into our church to where our church can grow for your kingdom and your glory, or it's time for me to move on because I want to be used more impactful for your kingdom. Well, that was in January, May rolls around and we have a friend from college, Johnny Miller. If you're listening, what's up, Johnny? And uh, he was one of our housemates of me and Jordan. And so Johnny is a, a youth pastor in the Church of God denomination. And so he calls me up and he's like, hey, I've got an extra ticket to a conference called Nyla. Um, I decide to go. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. And I'm like, if anything, it's a free trip to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And so we get up here and it is like I said, a youth pastors, youth leaders conference. So there's no kids have to keep up with and all of that. And come to find out, I'm not the only struggling youth pastor. Who would have thought? And so I remember sitting there just hearing other people's stories and what they're going through and sometimes thinking like, man, I'm actually, I'm doing well. Like I, I'm actually doing better than I thought. And my situation is not as bad as it could be. And I remember sitting there being encouraged with that. But also there was a a missions outreach group called Global Infusion. They were giving away free Dunkin' Donuts. And to this day, I'm a sucker for donut. That's why I look like a donut. I literally have a hole in the middle. Through that time of eating a donut, I just began to talk with a girl named Lindsay. You know, I told her all I knew about missionaries was really the people I'd met in college. And I'm like, missionaries eat bugs and don't bathe often. Like that's kind of what I assumed. And it's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so, I mean, I wasn't wrong, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) but, um, but she, she laughs and she's like, no, like, you know, my entire family went there and I don't think my family's that weird. And through getting to know them, she lied 
No, I'm just kidding. She's wrong. No, yeah. Her no, family's they, very they, weird. They're <laughs> so. awesome. Um, but, no, they're awesome. But through that, I, I was like, okay, like I'm willing to hear more about this because I knew that I love to travel and I knew that I love to preach about God and Jesus and share that love. And I had honestly just never been on a missions trip other than like local outreach. And so I had done, you know, put shingles on a roof or built a handicap ramp, but I had never actually gone overseas to people that had never literally never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. And so I get back from Nyla and I come back to the church and they have hired their new pastor while I was gone over the weekend, which was awesome. I was cool with that. And so I was excited because I was like, great, this is an answer to prayer. And I was showing him around the the church. I get to like where our youth group meets and I get a phone call and I'm like, I got to take this. So I take the phone call and it's global infusion. It's uh, the president of global infusion. And so, uh, he just starts to talk with me. And out of that conversation, we plan for me to come to Knoxville just for a visit. And we also plan for me to go on their next trip to Guatemala, which is going to be my first time going on an out of state, out of country missions trip. I'd only been on a country to Israel once. And so, uh, that was very exciting. I go to Guatemala, realize I had at this point already told the pastor that, Oh man, I'm all in like, I'm here. I'm so excited for this. Let's do this. And so I'm like, but I'm gonna go on this mission trip and, you know, I'll be back and, and we'll, we'll get this church rolling. And so I go on the mission trip and realize this is what I'm called to do, um, at least for the time being. And so I had to break that to the pastor and tell him, Hey, I know I said I was all in, but, uh, I'm like, not really all in. Cause I, you know, I feel like I'm being called to the field. And of course, he's like, you know, what can he say other than awesome have, you know, go make an impact. Uh, That was that was May and June of that year. I don't even know what years it was. And then in August, I started my time with Global Infusion and trained in Knoxville. That's how I ended up in Knoxville. I stayed with JT and uh, his wife, Ashlyn, decided to go to Kenya as my host home. And so I stayed with the Pamba family and loved them dearly. And so I stayed with them. I did one recon trip to Kenya and uh, cried a lot of it because it just it was very difficult. It was such a change of place and me being alone for the first time in a foreign country. It was tough. I knew like this is what I'm supposed to do, but I also knew that this is going to be extremely difficult and this is going to be the hardest thing that I've ever done to that point in my life. And so I get back. That was in September. I get back. So we went to Nepal that February. Um, That was the year that we did all that. And then I went to Kenya in May. And so stayed in Kenya then. And this is where I really wanted the meat of my story to be, because this is where so much began to change about the evidence and why this whole topic for this podcast has been on my heart and my mind, where it came from was much of it was throughout my time in Kenya, because up to that point, it had always been comfortable. It had always been sheltered and it had always been what other than college, I had never really questioned my faith, what I believed or really even had to share it other than being a youth pastor to people in the Bible belt. So people had already heard. And so now I'm completely out of my comfort zone, completely out of my country, completely my, my, my home life that I lived in, as far as uh, the building was plywood walls, um, but there was no ceiling. And so it was a tin roof. It leaked in different areas and the power went out in the rain, the power went (laughs) out almost daily. Um, Yeah. I slept out in the rain, fell asleep to rain. My first (laughs) night I fell asleep to beating drums um, from some type of, ritual going down the road and uh yeah and then i would fall asleep to rain and i would wake up no lie to a rooster on the other side of that plywood wall 
that also had tin siding on the outside that was on the other side of that every single morning i would wake up to the sound of a rooster in my ear um until that rooster got eaten and then another rooster would crow in my ear and so that's a glimpse of my time there it was always cold showers and uh there was one indoor shower the better one was outdoors because the sun was at least warmer to heat you up I got there. It's Kenya. So everybody thinks Africa is the dry, hot place. And it was hot, but it does not have humidity like the South. And, um, but it was not hot when I got there. Their seasons are backwards and no one told me this. And so I get there in June when it's beginning to be our hotter season. And I get there and it's 50 degrees every night. I was falling asleep watching my breath because I had no heat and I had no AC or anything like that. It's really no way to describe it unless you've seen it. But you know, that was the uncomfortableness side of it. But then the other side of it is sometimes it pays to be uncomfortable. Throughout my time there, there was a lot of things that was difficult. At that time, I had my now wife, I had just started dating her a month before I even got to Africa. So dealing with that was difficult. Me being an only child, I had dealt with loneliness, but I had never dealt with loneliness, like being the only, to be honest, white person within a 10 mile radius. I mean, I would walk miles and would constantly be called out as Mazungu, which is Mazungu, Mazungu, which is just white person or foreigner in Kenya. And at first it feels like you're a celebrity and the longer you're there, the more annoying it would get. And it's like, I'm one of y'all like chill. <laughs> you know. And so, but I had to deal with that loneliness. I had to deal with that discomfort. But in the end of all of that, it made me cling stronger to God because he was my comfort and he was my company. And so I did make friends and all that was great, but it's still always very different. It never felt like home. And so throughout that, some positives that I really got out of it is that I did read through the Bible for the first time in my entire life. I read it from cover to cover. Um, and I, my Bible, I love it now because it's all written in and lines are everywhere. And my goal was every time I read to get at least one point and I would underline my bible is all underlined so it's awesome um and then some other good things that i got of it and to the actual point here of evidence is i'm going to talk about one specific thing and this is the baptists are going to snarl at me and the <laughs> the church of god people that are listening here are going to be praising jesus the pentecostals hooping and um, hollering <laughs> hooping and hollering yeah so in in kenya there is a and really a lot of other missions that we've done um, there is a spiritualness like no other i mean it's you can see that satan's in work in ways that you don't see here i feel like he's a bit more discreet here or we kind of glamorize things that i feel like satan is working here and so we begin to just look at it as normal um, but there i mean it's it's real the things that you read about in the bible and stories that i've heard from other people are real in africa you have you have the hospital and you have the doctors but most people are going to turn to a witch doctor before they even turn to a hospital. People that know Christ are going to turn to a pastor, but there's even people that will turn to a pastor and then turn to a witch doctor because they want to go with what works. And a lot of times witch doctors and their rituals and believe it or not, their potions and their spells and things like that, the things that you kind of hear, it's not Harry Potter, but it's that kind of stuff is real. And so there's stories that I had heard that are completely unbelievable that you would think are mythological and turns out that those people are dead serious because they've seen what they've seen and so all that to say that 
you know, when you are worshiping, it's a very different worship. Like the, the people of Africa are worshiping in such a different way because it is so, so real to them because they're engulfed in it and they see it daily around them and they've seen it in their family and in their friends. And there's people that are carrying generational curses that have legitimately carried through their, their family for generations. And so it just begins to get so, so much more real because it's there and it's just in your face. And so we, in August of my time there, I was there from May to May. And so in the August of me being there, we go to the city of Eldoret and we hold a youth camp. And so we have worship that night. And again, African worship's completely different. I mean, there, there's a lot of dancing. There's a lot of, of yelling. I mean, I've seen people pick up chairs. It's, it's a lot of fun. And it's also just a lot of praise that they're giving. And that's how they know to give the praise. And so uh, we do that. We probably started at eight o'clock and it hits one o'clock at, at night and they're not even close to finished. And so at this time, uh, there was a, we had a group from America that was in town helping lead all of this. And so uh, my parents were blessed enough to get to come on that trip as well. And I had had a lot of conversations leading up to that. And here's where it gets, you know, tricky for some people talking about speaking in tongues. And there's always so much of, of debate on what speaking in tongues is, whether or not it's legit or real. People believe that speaking in tongues is, is, you know, just speaking in another language. A lot of people believe that speaking in tongues is speaking in a heavenly language, depending on denomination that differs. And so for me at that time, I had been around enough church of God, enough Pentecostal people to know that a lot of people speak in tongues and it's, it's not even just encouraged. It's, I mean, a lot of people will preach it as if it is needed for salvation and that I don't really agree with that it's needed, but I do think that it's a gift that God gives. And it is a, I believe it is a heavenly language. And so I'll tell you my experience from this, because for me, I didn't want it to be faked. I had been reading through the Bible and I realized to me, you know, scripturally, it even is, is a language that is between you and God. I had heard that there are three voices that you hear as a person, right? You have your own voice, which is the voice that I'm speaking from right now. And the voice that's in my head that I know is telling me what to say. I have the voice of the enemy, Satan, devil, whatever. That's the voice that's telling you to, Hey, it won't hurt to throw a rock through that person's window because they just flicked you off driving down the road. Right. Or the voice of God, which is the voice that's saying, Hey, maybe a good idea to give that homeless man your jacket because he's going to be cold for this winter. Right. That's your three voices that you so often hear. So we're, we're here at one o'clock and people are, are falling out in the spirit. There have literally, I'm not lying, have seen demons being exercised um, at this place to the point that, like, I mean, people are almost discontortioning their, their selves and praying over them and casting demons out, literally seeing that happen. I've seen healings happening. Uh, people that were not walking the entire week began to run out of the building. So, I mean seeing things that are biblical and things that we don't always see in America, very, very eye-opening. But I'm standing there and, you know, I'm just taking it all in. The lead pastor that was preaching then, or one of the pastors preaching then, got up on stage just to kind of sing. And it was just the worship time of that night. And he's like, hey, do you want to come up and sing? That way, I think he was just helping me not to be awkwardly standing there, like checking my watch, like, man, it's one o'clock at night. What are we doing? And so I get up on the stage and I just start singing worship with them. And and in my, in my head, I just pray to God silently. I'm just like, hey, look, it, you know, I've read your word. There are times that I doubt your realness. 
And there are times that I know that you give out gifts, you give out evidence of your being. And so I'm like, why not now? Why not here at this place right now? I'm open to it. I'm not forcing this. And if you give it to me, awesome. That'll be cool. If you don't, I'm not going to disclaim you. I'm not going to stop preaching your word. But if you're giving a gift, I want it. That was kind of my thing. It's like, if you're going to hand out a gift, why not? If God's giving gifts, who am I to turn it down? And I'm not kidding. Song goes from whatever we were singing to me being face flat on the floor, cannot control my tongue. And I'll tell you what, it sounded like this. It sounded like da 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 like that. I'm sitting there doing that. I am face flat. I'm crying. I am slobbering. I am drooling. I am. I feel like I'm going to drown in my own snot. I'm blowing bubbles. No one can see it because I'm on the floor face down and I'm frozen. And back to those three voices that I talk about that, you know, you can, you hear yourself, the enemy and God, the enemy, nowhere, nowhere at all. Couldn't hear it. Couldn't feel it. Nowhere. That was the first time in my life that I felt like the enemy could not, you know, get to me, um, that I was under a full shelter of protection in that moment. The voice of God, that's what I felt like was speaking into me and coming out of me. And what I was, and it was literally a me and him moment. I'm not trying to preach or, or tell people like, you know, trying to see if there's any interpreters in the building. And so it was just a me and God moment. It just happened to be on stage in front of people, but in a moment of where it wasn't odd, it wasn't a distraction. And then it was my own voice. And I remember my own voice sitting here like, oh, this is it. This, this is, this is happening. Oh. What, what do I do? Like, what if I'm stuck to this stage for a week? Like, I'm like, I, all that thought is running through my mind. And I'm also like, well, this is embarrassing. Like I am just up here slobbering and knowing that I'm speaking to God. And it was a, a closeness to God that I had never experienced before either, because it was literally me just relenting control and letting him take over. The reason I bring that up is because for me, that is the most real that God has ever been. Throughout my rest of the time in Africa, uh, I did counseling with some kids uh, with a high school, and I tried to, to help start the youth ministry at the church that I was uh, working with, but that didn't really go super well or not exactly how I thought it was going to go. I struggled with that. But I did question a lot of times, why was I there other than my own gain? What did I really attribute to my time in Africa? And uh, the end of my experiences that I just kind of want to talk about today is we go back to Thailand. And again, it's been over a year or almost a year since I've gotten back from Kenya. And I still have always just been like, I really don't know my full purpose for have, having been there. Like I, it hasn't come together. Some, it didn't feel complete, I guess is the best way to say it. So we go to Thailand, we do ministry within the red light district. But uh, the coolest thing we got to do to me on that trip is they allowed us into the all women's prison. They don't let us see the Americans because there's potential that we can know them. And so what it is, it's a prison where people are put into, whether they're locals, tourists or whatever. And it's a lot of times for very minor offenses and are put in prison there for, for life. The families may look for you and the families are told that you're either missing or dead. So we go in here and we meet in the library uh, of this jail. They put on some performances for us. Uh, the, the inmates did, and you had them singing their, their, native tongues a lot of times are songs that's from their place well there happened to be about a dozen kenyan ladies in this jail <laughs> and they sang two of my favorite songs that i heard in kenya and so i remember singing that with them they're like oh he knows swahili 
And at that time, I knew more than I knew now, but I still knew very little. And uh, they finished and I grabbed the mic and said, Asante Sana, which is thank you very much. And they were like, oh, he really does know Swahili. <laughs> and uh, and so, so then they let us split off and just get to talk with the inmates and pray over them. And so I was like, all right, all my Kenyan ladies, y'all need to come. Like, and of course, they already wanted to come talk to me because they thought, oh, we can speak to him in Swahili. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't really know Swahili that great. And I just told them about my time in Kenya. And I mean, you talk about like brought me to tears. Uh, and that was really my completion moment of just being like, man, like how cool is it that like I traveled the whole world, could not figure out my reason for being in Kenya. And a year later, after getting back from Kenya, it feels completed. It feels like I have done it in a jail in Thailand, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so that was where it's just like, man, God really does have a plan, an extravagant plan that that is beyond our knowing and our comprehension. And sometimes it just takes time and and waiting for that. But I would say that has been my evidence of God and why I believe today and and things that are from my experiences that really a lot of times are going to sound crazy or going to sound fake or going to sound just unbelievable. And you can't tell me that, that they're not true because I lived it and I experienced it. And that's where it's like the Bible is truth, but I don't need the Bible to say that God is true once I've experienced some things like that. So, so anyway, that's very good, man. Nice. Yeah, it's good. All right, and now it's game time. So to keep up with the theme of evidence and how everything is a reflection of who God is, we're going to play a game that we like to call on this podcast, Preach or Preach. Preach or preach, preach. preach. Each host will be told a random object, and on the spot, that host will have to use that object to create a miniature sermon illustration. At the end of the game, the host will rate each other's illustrations on a scale of one amen to five amens, like a five-star sermon the preacher with the most amens is of course the preachiest preacher that can preach here on the first episode of evidence podcast all right so i have a random object generator we have five objects and you're going to choose a number between one and five so here we go all right so i'm going with three three so your object is a house i'll go with something you probably aren't expecting so so there's a story of a man that sees this terrible looking house and he wants to buy it and everyone's wondering realtors investors like what in the world are you going to do with that house like are you going to fix the windows like do roof job and he said no i don't want it for the house i want it for the land and i want to build something new Mm. and that's what god wants to do with our lives is we have sin that we want to patch up and we want to make look good But yet Jesus actually wants to take the house that we've tried to build and destroy it, which is a painful process. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people are through deconstruction. But what God wants to build with the property of our heart is more beautiful, but also more painful and will take a longer time uh, than what we expect. So won't he do it? Well, JT, number one through five, number one through five, I'm going to go with four. Four, you have got a fuzzy pair, doesn't have to be fuzzy, of slippers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man. I'll let you know that you could have had a pencil, a bookcase, a bowl, or a tree. Dang, you could have went bowls and gone all revelation on us. Could have went tree (laughs) and just started from the beginning where the fall of man Uh, happened. But instead, I have fuzzy slippers. slippers, It doesn't say fuzzy. It just says slippers. Oh, just slippers. Okay, but they can be fuzzy. We can make them fuzzy. All right. The picture's fuzzy. All right. 
I'm excited for this one. Me and you both. Man. I'm a little nervous for this. Like, I've, I, this is what I was worried about was this exact scenario. And it's something that I couldn't think oh. of. Oh, All right. Man. Well, you know, everybody loves their fuzzy slippers. Everybody has that one pair that they keep in their closet. My pair, personally, I got a pair of fuzzy slippers that got raccoon eyes on them. And so they look around everywhere you go. So you walk around and the raccoon eyes just pop around as you're going. And a lot of times when we walk through life, you know, what we walk on might be hard. It might be rocks. It might be hardwoods. Those fuzzy slippers, they just give you a nice break. They give you something that keeps your toes warm, that keeps your feet all cushy. You don't have to worry about it. You can just walk through life a little bit smoother. Keeps your feet to where the circulation, your toes don't freeze. You don't have to put them on your spouse's back in the middle of the night to wake Mm. them up. And so Jesus can be a little bit like a pair of fuzzy slippers. He just holds you tight and he makes sure that you don't freeze to death. When you're walking through your house at night, gives you somewhere something when you need to go to the bathroom at night. You're just like, Jesus, I need you to walk with me to the bathroom. And Jesus will go with you to the bathroom. He'll follow you everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, I know it what, sounds like laugh. Jordan, what if I don't want it's, Jesus I'm cr- in the bathroom I'm with me is what's happening? I'm crying. Jesus is in the bathroom whether you like it or not. Nah, There's no prayer lock. closet like a water closet, man. You know? <laughs> just true. <laughs> Woo, it's the only part of my house that has a throne. Mm. All right. So to be fair, because I get to see the the objects, uh, Jordan, I'm gonna let you know what JT you had. Yeah, you had a great. Yeah, choice. let JT go. So for JT, it. I'm gonna let you choose my number. Oh, so one through five again. One through five again. Going with two for you. Two. I have seatbelt. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, could have been, <laughs> been a peach. Could have been a magazine. Could have been an Allen wrench. But above all else, what I wish you would have gotten is a tomato because. Mm. Tomatoes have been preaching the gospel for years. Shout out to Bob. Shout out to Bob. Yeah. All right. So seatbelt. All I know is the other day I was driving down the road, right? Have you ever thought about the seatbelt of your car? Nope. And the fact that if you're driving without a seatbelt, you're being too risky with your life. Sometimes, how many of y'all, how many of y'all up in here, the two of y'all can ever say that there are times in your life that you feel like you are on the road with no security you feel like you are driving and you're just going through this road that we call life it's scary and you're going through it feeling unsecured that if any time that you hit a bump you're gonna bump your head or a deer or a deer you're gonna fly through the windshield i did you know what i mean so many of us walk through life knowing or not knowing that we're not safe and secure but let me tell you right now Mm. fam let me tell you where to find your security it is in Mm the lord i find my security in the lord and that's why i tithe that's why i pray that's why i feel like today i am standing here in front of you right now and not in a hospital bed taking my last breath Hmm. i feel like i have placed my security in the lord and I, i i've chose and you can choose today to travel this road of life with a security much like the seatbelt in your car but the security of the Lord wrapped around you. Hmm. You got me with the very real example since I hit a deer with my car today. You got a divine word from the Lord. Hmm. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and vote. Let's go with Jordan's. And he had the house. He brought down the house. And uh, JT, how many amens did you get, Jordan? So I'm going to give Jordan three, three amens. Hmm. And my reason being is because it was a very good just straight up life sermon illustration Mm -hmm. about God needing to take who you are and basically restarting. So it doesn't really matter who you used to be. It matters who you end up becoming through Jesus. So 
Really like I'm, it. A, I'm actually going to give you four amens, Jordan, because mm-hmm. I was highly impressed with uh, how you actually brought a sermon, like a scripture reference out of it and told a story from scripture. So I thought that was cool. What would you grade your own sermon Me? illustration? Yeah, why not? Um, this doesn't count towards points, but why not? You've got a total uh, of seven. Man, I've, I thought it was like a solid three. To be completely honest, I ripped it out of an A.B. Simpson book. So mm. it's fine. Okay, so it's a plagiarized sermon. No, it's not plagiarized. I'm taking away one of my amens. <laughs> no, but see... <laughs> All right, uh, Jordan, what did you, what did you rank JT? I would give JT probably a similar three-star rating. Mm. Like, I thought he eventually got there. He he wrapped a lot of points into like a minute long mm-hmm. about not putting your foot on your wife's back or whatever kind of <laughs> things happen in Connecticut. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's everywhere. Everybody understands that one. We're all putting our feet on our wife's I don't backs. think I've ever put my foot on my wife's back. But, but she never married? put her foot on your back. No. Mm. Are you what? even married? Am I married? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, look, in the five love languages, I score like negative points in physical touch. Uh, don't get me started on the love languages. Um, I don't know how many there are. I think there's five. I'm four of the five. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, five. The name of them are the five love languages. So, Dude, I don't know. Actually, I'm giving JT two amens. <laughs> It's it's not your fault. You're given you're given a tough hand. That was and tough. It's very difficult for me to hear the sermon due to all the laughter. And the tears that I was crying because it was it was touching me, but yeah, it's a two. Okay, I'll take a two. Jordan's in the lead with the seven, seven, seven to a five. It's my turn to be rated about the seatbelt. Jordan, go ahead, man. Yeah, I'll probably give you I'll give you three amens. You still took the the theme, you applied it to real life, and I thought you did really well. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm actually going to give you four amens, and for one very specific reason, is that. You successfully tied in your analogy to the first conversation we had about Jordan getting in a car wreck. So that was just a nice full circle trick on your part. So I don't feel it was my strongest. I honestly was thinking like I'd give myself like probably a three. So JT, what'd you give your own? We didn't ask. I forgot about that. My bad. Uh, I'm going to actually give myself a two as well because mm. I, I don't feel like I really tied it in well and I got lost in my train of thought. And I was really mm. trying hard to figure out a way to make slippers about jesus that was a tough one man. Was, yeah it's hilarious i'm glad you got it but it was tough yeah well that about does it for this first episode of evidence but before we close at the end of each episode we want to give a quick evidence recommends for each of us host um, i'm gonna go ahead and start my i recommend this week the book christian atheist by craig groeschel favorite author is craig groeschel and uh, it's the first book i read by him and it is when christians say they're christians but act as if he doesn't exist so yeah, Christian Atheist by Craig Rochelle. Check it out. Yeah. So my recommendation would be The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, uh, especially in the current cultural moment that we're in, which is a lot of hurry and hustle and filling our schedules. And the most common four-letter word I hear is busy. What John Mark Comer addresses is for those of us that choose to follow Jesus, that we should choose to follow his rhythm and his lifestyle and how Jesus being the savior of the world actually had a fairly unhurried life. And he goes through different practices that talk about how to have an unhurried life. Give it a read. Yeah, and mine's actually uh, more of a secular thing. So I'm recommending an artist and specifically an album. So the artist is uh, Kalandra. It's K-A-L-A-N-D-R-A. And the album is called The Line. It's a super beautiful album. It's a Norwegian like indie singer-songwriter style band. 
so the musically it's just a phenomenal album but then lyrically too there's a lot of interesting things that ends up happening there so i would definitely recommend like listening through the full album all right well there you have it uh this has been our first ever episode of evidence podcast i'm daniel brooks i'm jordan lang and jt shavers and you have been listening to evidence we'll see you next week guys adios bro chachos Thanks for lending us your ears. If you like what you've heard, give us a rating and a review. If you didn't like what you hear, either way, we're glad that you stuck around. Still give it a review. We appreciate any kind of feedback you could give us. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. See you guys next week. Ciao. (laughs) Ciao. (laughs) This has been an Evidence Media Podcast.